Thanks for joining us this week, and welcome to Mutuality Matters, a weekly podcast hosted by CBE International, where our mission is to promote the biblical message that God calls women and men of all cultures, races, and classes to share authority equally in service and leadership in the home, church, and world. Let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to Mutuality Matters podcast from Christians for Biblical Equality. Alongside my friend and ministry colleague, Rob Dixon, I'm Lila Van Gerpen. Can men and women work alongside one another in healthy ministry partnerships? Our answer is absolutely. And on this podcast, we interview practitioners, exploring stories about what flourishing mixed-gender ministry partnerships look like in the field. This week, our guests are Maddie Cummings and Brooke Plant. Maddie and Brooke work together with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And full disclosure, we work alongside them too. Woo-hoo. Maddie and Brooke are friends of ours, and I they are going to bring a unique perspective to our conversation today. Maddie serves with InterVarsity at CSU Channel Islands. She's in her fifth year, and she's 26 years old. Brooke is in her third year with InterVarsity at UC Santa Barbara, and she's 24 years old. Maddie is passionate about making the world a better place by holding space for people to engage with Jesus in the hard things of the world. And Brooke is passionate about empowering women in the leadership in all spheres of influence, especially the church. They've served alongside each other in campus ministry, co-led summer global programs together, and they're here today with us to share their unique ministry perspective. Maddie, Brooke, we're so glad to have you here. Welcome. Yay, it's great to have you. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, we should say we should add, Lai, that um, you listeners will not find bigger Taylor Swift fans than Maddie. This is and true. Brooke, this right? is very true. <laughs> Crucial. Absolutely just, true. Yeah, there yes. might be some Taylor Swift references throughout the pod. That's Maybe. right. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, well, thank, it's great to have you too. Let me ask our first question, which we ask all of our guests, um, sort of an icebreaker. What's your What's a mixed gender partnership? that you appreciate from literature or the movies or pop culture and why do you appreciate it? Um, Brooke, let's start with you and then we'll go to Maddie. Um, I think one that really jumps out to me is from the Harry Potter series. I love the relationship between Harry and Hermione. Um, And in a lot of those Harry Potter plot lines, Hermione plays a really instrumental role in the success of of Harry and company. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's really valued for her strengths as an equal member of the team. People know Mm -hmm. that she's fully competent. She's fully trustworthy. um, And they really prize her gifts of intellect and like her knack for learning um, and later like her courage and her loyalty. I just think that is such a powerful uh, partnership between the two of them. And I guess, you know, you can throw Ron in there too. And <laughs> yeah. Get a trifecta, but right. yeah, right. Hermione and Harry is, is my favorite. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. How about you, Matt? Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, um, I just recently rewatched New Girl for like the fifth time and <laughs> Cece and Winston are like, they're like the most platonic friendship between a girl and a guy in that yeah. show. That's just so awesome. And for the first couple seasons, they don't really interact with each other. And all of a sudden, Winston comes up with this like CC Winston mess around joke and she hates it at first. And then it just becomes their thing. Um, so they're always doing silly little pranks together. But also when CC is going through something really hard, Winston finds out and he ends up caring for her in a way that I think was very unexpected to her and to him. Um, but it bonded them to be really solid friends amidst all the like romance stuff that was happening yeah. with the other characters that they were involved with. Um, but the two of them were just there for each other. Love yeah. it. Love it. 
I love that one. That's a great, yeah, it's such a good example of a platonic friendship. And yeah, that's fun. Well, we're so glad to have you here. We want, um, as you know, this podcast explores the dynamics of women and men working together in ministry. So we'd love to hear a little bit about how you hold this value in your life and ministry personally. Let's start with Brooke. We'll go to Maddie. Yeah. Um, I mean, for one thing, I am a woman and I work in ministry, so that's, <laughs> that's already right. something. Um, and, um, you know, so most instances of my day-to-day life working with the ministry organization, um, it is women and men working together in ministry. I just yeah. happen to work with with a lot of men. Um, and I think that's the best way to do it. I think that yeah. that's the fullest picture of God's kingdom. Um, and I really have enjoyed learning from all of my colleagues, including those who are women, including those who are men. Um, and I have a pretty, um, cool opportunity to work with male students as well, because I, um, serve Greek university specifically working within the Greek life system at UCSB. And so a huge chunk of that is fraternity men. And, um, so really my whole job is kind of women and men working together. Um, and I found it to be so, um, engaging and, um, important because that, you know, that is the way God designed humanity. That's the way God designed life, um, is, is women and men collaborating, um, co-creating, like coexisting. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's a really important, um, facet to, to not just like life, yeah. but life with God and and serving God and his people. Yeah, it's beautiful. What about you, Maddie? Yeah, um, I echo a lot of what Brooke would say. I would just add also being young, being in my 20s, working with college students, oftentimes we are the first time they ever, um, mm. our students ever get to see women and men working together mm. in a ministry context. Um that was my experience. I'd never really seen it before. And then I went to college and now getting to be that it's a really high value, not just for me personally, to be able to learn how to work alongside men. Cause sometimes it's a challenge. Um, but also to give opportunity for those under me to see that it's worth it to coexist, even on either gender side, maybe you don't want to all the time, but it's worth it mm-hmm. when you do put in the work to live mm-hmm. a life like that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, for both of you, that's really helpful to hear how you hold this. I mean, it is, it's, it's your life, <laughs> not just your ministry. It's, it's how you, you know, it's how you operate. Um, talk about a little bit of your journeys, if you would, of getting to the point where this is what you're doing. Like, have there been any key markers along the way of uh, working out your, maybe your theology or the practice of women and men working together? And we'll start with Maddie this time. Yeah. Um, so I didn't grow up in a church context, but I grew up with a mom who was very adamant about me being fierce and independent and that women have the same place as men. But we also grew up in a small town that did not always hold that value. And I started going to a church where like, I found Jesus in a very um, complementarian context and just kind of went with it because I didn't know anything else. Um, and then it wasn't until I started college and I started meeting other Christians and I was like, Oh, what my mom taught me about, like, I can do anything and be anything as a female can actually exist in the church. And I didn't realize it wasn't existing for a good four years of my experience in church. And 
that opened up so many doors for me because I had always been so quiet and timid and like never took any opportunity to speak or anything. And then I feel like my experience in college was just bridging the gap between how my mom had raised me and what the church was Mm -hmm. saying and just further seeing that, (laughs) Oh, the Bible can give me a space um, to be whoever I want to be. And for me, I'm a very outspoken, loud person. I like to preach. I like to talk a lot. That doesn't mean that every woman has to be that, but just the opportunity that I now have to do that, if that's what I feel like God is calling me to do. And I feel like over the past four years, God is just increasingly giving me a voice in larger spaces. And like, that's the path that I want to take Mm -hmm. and to be in a space where I'm with men and women who support me because it's what God is calling me to do. It's not because I'm a man. It's not because I'm a woman, but it's just, Mm -hmm. this is where God is calling me. So I have the freedom to go into that. Yeah. I, I joke that there was never a day when I wasn't a feminist. I, it just, I don't know if it was just that I have a family full of really strong women or if it's as integral to my DNA as, you know, the color of my eyes, but I just have always, um, really looked to, like powerful women in different spheres mm-hmm. as as heroes. I mean, people like Billie Jean King in tennis and Maya Angelou in literature. And um, so then when I chose to follow Jesus at 18, pretty much an adult, um, I there was never really a, a question for me as to like, do I think that women are capable leaders in the church? Do I think that women bring significant and equal value to a church mm-hmm. space. Um, I just, that was just who I was. Um, and then all of a sudden I was a young adult and um, a new college student walking into um, church spaces for the first time. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them with women in positions of spiritual authority, some not. Um, and then I kind of had to meet this world of like, oh wait, it's not always a given in some spaces. Mm. Um, and that was, that was really frustrating and disappointing for me because, um, I'd never not believed that women could, Mm -hmm. could lead, could empower, could do, do anything that we see men typically doing. Um, and then I'm hearing, wait, what? Like, oh, that you can't hold that title just because your denomination doesn't affirm women to hold that title. That's Mm. different. Um, and all of the women who were the most significant investments in my spiritual journey were women and young women at that. Um, and so I think my, my ministry experience obviously flows out of, um, my Christ following experience Mm -hmm. and all of that began, um, with me, you know, firmly rooted in this idea that like, women rock. <laughs> like we yeah. can do things. We want to do things. We are called to do things. Um, and not just small or quiet or simple things, but things that can involve microphones and stages or leadership or, you know, official titles and positions the way we see men holding all the time. Um, yeah. and so then when I, you know, saw God leading me into campus ministry as a vocation. Um, as a woman, I was like, okay, you know, let's, why not? Let's do this. I have never doubted that, that my calling is, is equal to any, any man's calling. Um, and I think, mm-hmm. you know, it's, 
we see it in the gospels over and over again. We see the way Jesus speaks to women, has relationships with women, mm-hmm. believes in the value and dignity of women. Um, so one of the reasons Lila and I wanted to have you on uh, was your, the perspective you bring in terms of leaders from a certain generation. So please don't mm-hmm. feel like you have to speak for all of Gen Z, right? <laughs> so be free. You don't feel that expectation. But I do wonder, what's your sense of how uh, your generation holds kind of the value of women and men in partnership? What words would you put to that? Uh, Brooke, you can go first, or Maddie, whoever okay. whoever's ready. <laughs> I would say, I think it feels very organic to the DNA of Gen Z, um, Mm -hmm. that women should be empowered fully to do whatever they are called to do um, as the body of Christ, as the kingdom of God. Um, And kind of like in the same way that I was sharing about, you know, my my childhood heroes um, in all different spheres of life, as such an online generation, we grew up seeing women breaking into every sphere of influence in public life, um, Supreme court, athletic world, mm-hmm. uh, music mm-hmm. business. Um, there was so much publicity to that, um, that we really were able to recognize that as something noteworthy and, um, I think kind of build off of it. And so to me, I don't think that, um, Gen Z wants to just stop at shattering glass ceilings. I think we want to move past that. And then from that place of opportunity, um, do things that are meaningful and beautiful in the world. Mm. Um, and I think Gen Z knows that there is work to be done and we want to do it. Um, and I think that Gen Z knows that the women of Gen Z are, are a critical part of that energy and that mm. gifting, mm. propelling that forward. Mm. Yeah, I think, um, Adding to that, I mean this in like the best way possible, but Gen Z just doesn't care as much about the things that separate us. Like, hmm. I feel like this idea of men and women working together, like if I've talked with like, especially I think Gen Z that haven't grown up in a church that was very clear on where they stood, whether they didn't grow up in church at all, or they didn't grow up like in a specific denomination, like whenever I've told them some of my struggles that I've experienced being a woman in ministry, they're just like, what? Like, why, why is that even a thing? Why is that even a topic? Like, why do you have to do a podcast talking about how that, like that shouldn't, isn't that just how normal life is? Um, And I think because we just see everyone as someone who has potential and, um, to do what they're passionate about. And we don't need to have these things that constrict us. Um, And as everyone knows, Gen Z is all about down with the system too. So it's like these whole (laughs) systems that put the women, Mm -hmm. the women here and the men here and the kids here and the adults Mm -hmm. here, like we just don't want any of it. So it's not, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's specific to separating men and women in different, different spaces. Mm -hmm. I think it's altogether a value of like, Everything has been created for us, but we're asking the question, why? Mm. And I would argue millennials started asking that question, why? And now Gen Z is actually doing something mm-hmm. about it. Of like, if we don't have answers, then why does it, why is it like yeah. being done that way? Mm-hmm. Um, so I echo a lot of what Brooke said. I just may have a little bit more of the angsty side of it. It's just like, <laughs> why does it matter so much if I'm a female or a male to do a certain thing? Uh, like, shouldn't it just be 
how God has gifted me. Mm. CBE International presents women in scripture and mission. Though illiterate, Sojourner Truth was a brilliant theologian. She said that to deny women the privilege of voting or preaching because Christ was male was to ignore that it was Christ's humanity, not his gender that made him the perfect sacrifice for all people. Sojourner's faith inspired her work as an abolitionist, suffragist, evangelist, and preacher. Learn more at ministrywomen.org. That's ministrywomen.org. Wow, that was so helpful. Let's let's dig a little deeper on that. What do you wish older generations would understand about your generation, Gen Z, specifically in this area? Let's start with Brooke. I love this question. I <laughs> one thing I want to say about Gen Z is that there are some ideas that Gen Z is challenging, some might say, um, or difficult or making a little too much noise. Um, but something someone said to me recently, someone who is a millennial, um, she said, Gen Z really isn't that different from millennials. You're just saying the same things we've already been saying and thinking just louder. <laughs> and I think she's right because <laughs> mm-hmm. the things that Gen Z is, you know, willing and ready to dissent on mm-hmm. are things that we are not the first to start to question. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. we are just the first who are willing to shout about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't think Gen Z is unruly or difficult. I don't even think Gen Z is naive. I think we're just saying things that need to be said because we really don't have a lot to lose. I think we're willing to just shoot the shot and and say it and and call the bluffs of all these systems and institutions that need to evolve. Mm -hmm. Um, And it makes people uncomfortable. And that's why I know we need to keep doing it. Mm, yeah. is if there's something to be uncomfortable about it it means there is there's opportunity for growth yeah. there is opportunity for for change and evolution um and so i get so excited about gen z and yeah. and the vision they have for what the world could be if we mm-hmm. if we put in the work and if we mm-hmm. had hard conversations and we yeah. asked big questions and thought really critically about them mm-hmm. um so i wish that gen z soon will not have a reputation of, of being, you know, unruly or difficult, but, um, of being very insightful and, um, intuitive. And I think optimistic about what the world could and should be, um, you know, if, if we're willing to, to take it there. That's so good. Yeah. Um, I echo everything Brooke said. (laughs) If you paid attention to my age, I'm 26, and some people would argue I'm millennial. Some people <laughs> would argue I'm Gen Z. I teeter the line. I like to say I'm uh-huh. like 70 percent, 70 percent Gen Z, 30 percent millennial. Yeah, millennials have been saying the same thing. Like all my friends who mm-hmm. are a little bit older, mm-hmm. I feel like it's been a progression. Each generation is like, oh, these people said it once. These people are saying it now. These people are complaining online now. These people are doing something, and I think Gen Z is just the ones that are doing it. Um, and if I can get a little real, maybe a little like mental health warning, but like Mm -hmm. Gen Z is living in a really hard generation Mm -hmm. of the anxiety and the depression is through Mm -hmm. the roof. I mean, Mm -hmm. everyone experienced the pandemic, but experiencing the pandemic in your most developmental, like 
teenage twenties years Mm -hmm. when you're supposed to be figuring life out and now Mm -hmm. you don't know what's happening. I think it's given us all the more reason to just say, I'm just going to say the thing. I'm just going to do the Mm -hmm. thing because Mm -hmm. some of us just, we're at that point where like, Mm -hmm. I'm not doing this because I don't even know if like, I believe it can be better for me. Mm-hmm. But it's worth it if it can be better for the 10-year-old I see walking down the street. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of emphasis that we hold that, like, a lot of the work we're doing now, we're probably not going to get to see the benefit of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was literally just Instagram messaging with one of my friends about the Barbie movie. If you've seen the Barbie movie, there's an epic monologue on mm-hmm. what it's mm-hmm. actually like to be a woman <laughs> in this culture. And, yes, it's a little extreme because it's a movie. But the amount of women in my life that I've talked about that monologue with of like crying our eyes out, listening to it, mm-hmm. like re-watching it because it was just so mm-hmm. hard to hear everything being point blank said. And I literally messaged her. I was like, because she was like surrounded by 13 year olds when she was watching it mm-hmm. and they thought she was crazy because she was crying. And I was like, give them 10 years and they'll understand. And I was like, well, maybe the world will be better by then. And like mm-hmm. her reaction just being why way to be optimistic like that's i i hope that those girls when who are 13 right now when they're 23 will not be like so struck by that monologue because things will have changed and i think that's a lot of what gen z is like i don't know if i believe it for myself anymore but i am choosing to believe it for the next generation Mm -hmm. and choosing to do the things because i all it's not just gen z is the best generation out there doing the things it's the gen z hearing their millennial parents their boomer parents like all they're hearing all those things and gen z just wants to like do something about it Mm -hmm. so i don't want this to sound like gen z is better but it's what we've learned and heard from the previous generations we just want to see that actually happen yeah Yeah. so so let me ask you about that practically so Mm -hmm. we'll we'll make you like in charge of the church for here the next couple minutes on this answer like what would you do (laughs) To change <laughs> how the church functions from your perspective, uh, you have a magic wand. Um, go for it. So, Maddie, you want to start on that one? What's your prescription yeah. for the church? <laughs> I got a lot of prescriptions <laughs> for the church. I'll try to keep it concise. Sure. Um, I feel like I bled a little bit too much into this question, So, but I'm a dreamer. Uh, I think just give everyone a chance. Mm. Um, I think when kids are young, don't automatically start asking them to volunteer in certain areas that you think that's what they'll want. Like, I mean, I see it with all of my college students, every single like college student girl is volunteering with the kids and every single college boy is volunteering with worship. Like that's what you do because that's what they've been asked to do since they were younger. Mm. And I just wonder how much of that was like, do I believe there are females who are called to serve with children and help them? Yes, of course. But is it just happening because that's what they've been limited to? Like, I can speak for myself. I don't want to work with children. Mm-hmm. I am much more better at working with adults than little kids. But at the church I used to go to, it was like, you either start volunteering in kids or you just don't volunteer at all. There was no other option. There was nothing else you could do. Um, And I think the church, we need to start young by Mm. not forcing these 
ideas on to them. Um, (laughs) Because like, we're so conditioned that like, part of the journey of doing college campus ministry right now is we are in deconstruction. We are in reconstruction mode. Everyone is like questioning everything about their faith Mm. and their churches. And that I have found so much beauty in that my own personal walk and walking with others in that. But what would it look like to be in a world where you didn't have to do that because you were given the space to ask those questions and really Mm. feel out like, what is God calling me to do without these constrictions? And it goes beyond women and men. Uh, but mm-hmm. that's just one way that I feel like there's a lot of constrictions on the church starting off as a young kid. This is what you do. These are your mm-hmm. options. Instead of just broadening those options to you can do anything. Um, mm-hmm. Where is God calling you? Let's put you there instead of is God mm-hmm. calling you here? Is God calling you here? But just asking where is God calling you to give you that opportunity? Love it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Completely agree. And the two things that I think um, are at the forefront of my mind are titles and proportions. And what I mean by that is mm-hmm. no qualified woman would have a title that is not accurately depicting what she is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. No more calling her director or coordinator if she is a pastor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If she is qualified and called, call her what mm-hmm. she is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just the naming of that is so powerful. Mm-hmm. When people mm-hmm. hear that, see that, that woman herself, I mean, that is a domino effect of giving mm-hmm. permission to women to take the microphone, to yeah. believe in what they're capable of, to think that their callings have equal legitimacy to their male counterparts. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is so yeah. saddening and frustrating for me to see women who are gifted and called not that they're being watered down yeah. Um, yeah yeah and it's not equitable and yeah. it's it's not <laughs> what jesus wants i don't think um because i think it's it's a pretty fair statement to say that you know jesus loves and values women um mm-hmm. so titles that's one i think the second would be um seeing women and men in leadership positions, especially, you know, on the stages at the front Mm -hmm. of the rooms in the same proportions. Um, If a male pastor preaches two Mm -hmm. Sundays a month, let's have a female pastor preach two Sundays a month. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's just equality. I think that's hospitality for the body of Mm -hmm. your church. I think equal opportunity to see oneself represented in a position of leadership or significance, that is, I mean, that is, the body of Christ. I think that if we want to start to to see what Maddie was talking about shift, um, you know, where women are not just funneled into the children's programs and men are not just funneled up onto stages, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, a woman walking into a church and and feeling like, oh, maybe I want to kind of develop this gift of of speaking yeah. rather than um, you know childcare. Or even like an administrative role, like we see women in very frequently in churches. Um, if she sees that there is a female pastor at her church, not mm-hmm. just speaking on the stage, but being mm-hmm. called a pastor. Amazing. What what mm-hmm. an opportunity and a gift for that young woman. Um, and so I think that those two things really would have an enormous effect in kind of 
prying that door wide open. Um, and it makes me, I don't know, it makes me hopeful. It makes me excited. Yeah. Um, clearly I, I care a lot about this because I get really, yeah. really excited to talk about it because I think it is yeah. absolutely critical to not just the, the flourishing of people in their knowing of Jesus, um, but yeah. in the ways that we then like move out into the world and invite other people yeah. into that too. Amen. Amen. That's so your insight is so helpful. Both of you embody this value in your own lives and hearts, as well as in your ministries. And I'm grateful for that. Thank you so much for being with us and just sharing a part of your heart and your passion in this area and also your lives and your stories. Let me ask you a question. If folks wanted to just connect with you, whether it's social media or however, what's the best way to do that? I mean, I'm a Gen Z, so I love social media. If anyone wants to wants to follow me on Instagram, they can do so. My Instagram is just at brook.planned or, um, you know, they can shoot me an email. I think my email will be in the show notes. Yeah. So we'd love to hear from people. Yes. Awesome. What about you, Maddie? Yeah. yeah. Uh, same for me. My Instagram is mads underscore Cummings and then email madison.cummings at university.org. I'm probably more likely to respond on Instagram than email. I'll be honest. <laughs> I am Gen Z. <laughs> one more yeah one more great. yeah we'll put all that it. in the show notes for listeners thanks thanks you yeah two. great yeah thank yeah. you so much for being a part of this and thanks for joining us today thank you for having us rob that was such a great conversation let's chat about a little bit about what's staying with you yeah yeah listeners you just need to know that there are a lot of fire emojis in the uh, chat <laughs> around this episode yeah. as we're recording <laughs> Uh, I, lots to say here, but I, one of the things that stood out to me was that both of these women uh, came into the church from a place of being empowered in their life journeys from, you know, mentors or mothers or you know, people in the culture that they've been sort of following. And they got into the church and they had to somehow integrate mm-hmm. or figure out how that sort of experience dovetails with the church or not. And so it mm-hmm. has me thinking about you know, how do we as a church receive a, a woman like that who's grown up outside of the church, feels a high degree of empowerment, and then comes into the church and goes, what's happening here? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think it, for me, it pro- provokes the idea that we need to be having conversations in the church about how to receive women like that. And yeah. it does make me want to reevaluate our structures and our strategies and, and like what um, Maddie was talking about, about sort of lanes that we put people into, let's yeah. abolish that. And let's just mm-hmm. ask the question, here you are. Let's get to know you. What do you bring to the table and how can we put yeah. that to work to advance God's mission? So, yeah, I think lots to say there about how to uh, receive empowered yeah. women like Maddie and Brooke. Yeah. How about you, Lai? Yeah. So, yeah, that's great. So helpful for them to just name that women are going to come in needing opportunities. Yeah important, making sure we offer them. Yeah. I thought that was such a great conversation to have with them. The, the phrase that just jumped in my mind was like, they want to hold hope with integrity. Mm. And so a lot of what they talked about was not just holding a value, but actually living it out, advocating, say, saying something when something doesn't land right with a yeah. supervisor. And then, you know, when Maddie shared the story of like talking to other women and saying, oh, I felt the same way, but I didn't know if I could say something mm. and just realizing how much of a value it is for them as leaders to both hold this value as well as live it out, act on it, advocate for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some ways, I think we just got to dream bigger of what Gen Z folks in our churches, in our communities, in our organizations have to offer in helping us raise that 
possibility of what, you know, can be in terms of men and women flourishing together. Yeah. Um, and just another one I loved at the end was just when Brooke shared about equality is hospitality. Uh, yeah. When we see women and men leading together, equality is hospitality. It is how we care for the whole by having women and men lead and do ministry together. Mm. And I just loved that. I knew you get would that love on a sticker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Give like me a most, sticker on my, yeah. You're like the most That's hospitable right. person I know. So that you, you that <laughs> Yes, high value, sure. but also just biblical principle. Yeah, I loved yep, it. For sure. Yeah. Yep. Amen. So great. Good. Grateful for them. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Follow Christians for Biblical Equality on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date info and content. You can leave a rating or review on whatever podcast platform you use. And if you love this episode, please share it with a friend. I'm Lila Van Gerpen, and with my co-host, Rob Dixon, we'd like to thank our guests, Maddie Cummings and Brooke Plant, and our talented editor, Landon Hooks, as well as the good folks at Christians for Biblical Equality. Be sure to listen to other episodes with our team of co-hosts coming to your devices every week. We are the Mutuality Matters Podcast. Thanks for listening. The opinions expressed in CBE's Mutuality Matters podcast are those of its hosts and guests and do not purport to reflect the opinions or views of CBE International or its members or chapters worldwide. The designations employed in this podcast and the presentation of content therein do not imply the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of CBE concerning the legal status of any country, area, or territory, or of its authorities, or concerning the delimitation of its frontiers. 